All right, guys. Well, we are celebrating the conclusion of our season of fasting and prayer. We have pressed in for 21 days. Those of you that have done the journal with us, we've got now a, a, a prayer list of 21 days of, of prayer targets. We've been writing down, and we've learned so much about fasting, and we've developed a hunger for God, right? The more that our stomachs hunger uh, for lack of food or for lack of our favorite foods, the more that our spirits hunger for God and desire for more of God. And so uh, we're just, we're celebrating today. Uh, Everybody at the beginning of this 21 days, we wrote down some big dreams, some big things we were praying for, some breakthroughs, some miracles, some promises of God. And, And we're just believing that through this season of fasting and prayer, and as we continue to press into the Lord, we're gonna see those things fulfilled. And we're going to see those things answered. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about persisting in prayer. Persisting in prayer. That we're not just going to ask for something once and then give up. We're not just going to give it a month and then give up. We're going to be a people that are going to persist. And so this is actually part four of our Moving Mountains teaching series. And so if you missed any of the first three parts... I encourage you, go to our website, go to our podcast, and get caught up because we've learned some amazing things about how uh, when we pray, we're already in the heavenly realms, right? We are already in the throne room of God, seated with Christ Jesus, and when we pray, our prayers are immediately heard in heaven, and that when we pray, we have actually been invited to sit in the divine council to call the perfect will of God to come from heaven down to earth and, and, and to see those transactions take place on earth. Last week, we learned that it's our responsibility to intercede for others. That if we use our seat in the heavenly places just for our own benefits, that's spiritual corruption. But when we use our seat in the heavenly places to pray for others... We are fulfilling our mandate and our responsibility as followers of Christ. And so we've learned a lot about prayer. So let's press in today and talk about persistence in prayer. If you've got your notes, you can find the notes inside the bulletin that you received on your way in. On our digital campus, the notes are always attached to the video on our website. And then on the podcast, the notes are always attached to the podcast. But here's our big picture point today is that most prayers don't get answered immediately. God desires persistent prayer because it does a deeper work in us. Most prayers don't get answered immediately. Now, some do, and that's awesome. We love when that happens, right? When we ask for something, and then it just happens, and we're like, whoo, praise God. But that's, that's more the exception to the rule. That's not the norm. The norm is that God is looking for a people that will persist in their prayers, that will persist in their prayers. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at Jesus' words about how he taught us to persist, to endure, to persevere in the things that we're praying for. And then really what we want to look at is why, right? If the God of the universe is all-powerful and he can do anything, he could answer our prayer every time the moment we pray it, why does he make us wait? What is this whole thing of persistence all about? That's what we want to answer today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, right? Now, Jesus always modeled prayer for us, right? And, of course, Jesus, as the Son, always had perfect communion with the Father. 
And so Jesus, as he was praying, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And so John the Baptist, apparently his disciples had a prayer, a certain model of prayer, a certain way of praying that marked them as disciples of John the Baptist. And so the disciples of Jesus were like, Jesus, give us something. Teach us a way to pray that people would know that we're your disciples. And so Jesus teaches them. It says in verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And so this is known, you can, you've heard it as the Lord's Prayer. You also may have heard of it as the Disciples' Prayer. This is one form of it that Jesus taught to his disciples privately. And you know that in Matthew chapter 6, he taught this form of prayer to a large group of people publicly about how to pray. And then he goes into a, a parable about this concept of persistent prayer. In verse 5, it says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. This doesn't strike me as a wonderful friend, yeah? But uh, maybe we have friends like this. Uh, hey, look, I'm your friend during the day, but when you knock on my door late at night, I'm a do-not-bother-me friend, all right? That's just, do not bother me! The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything, right? Remember, back in these days, families all slept together, right? It was mom and dad and the kids were all laying together in one bed. And so he's like, hey, we're already laying down. I am not going to wake the kids up. I'm pretty sure getting kids to fall asleep was just as hard 2,000 years ago as it was today, right, as it is today. So he's like, I got the kids to sleep. I am not going to shake the bed and wake these kids up just to open the door for you. So you need to go. What does Jesus say? He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. You see, Jesus is using an old Hebrew teaching style here. And, and the teaching style is this. He's saying that if the lesser is true, then the greater must be even more true. Right, you guys following me on this? If the lesser is true, then the greater must be even more true. And so what he's saying is, is that even a friend who's maybe not that great of a friend, right? Maybe a friend who uh, is a good friend, but not the kind of friend who's going to get up late at night for you. If a friend like that will get up and, and answer your request because of your persistence then what do you think God will do? Because God is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. God is not just a friend in the daytime. God is a friend late at night. God's not just a friend when it's light. God's a friend when it's dark. God's not just a friend when you're joyful. God's a friend when you're broken and you're hurting and you have failed. And so if a, if a mediocre friend will get up because of your persistence, what will God do because of your persistence? And this isn't the only time that Jesus taught this way. Fast forward to Luke chapter 18. 
And let's read this, starting in verse 1. It says, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Now, I love that Luke wrote that because most of the parables that you read from Jesus, it either doesn't give you an explanation of them or Jesus gives the parable and then later on his disciples ask for an explanation and he explains it. But this one is unique in that Luke tells us what the parable means before we even read the parable. He says the parable means that we ought to pray at all times and not lose hearts. And then here's the parable. Saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? So again, same teaching principle, right? If the lesser is true, the greater must be even more true. And so if an unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't care about man will answer a request because of persistence, how much will God, who is the righteous judge, respond to us because of our persistence? And so Jesus is teaching us, don't lose hearts, keep on praying. Jump back to Luke chapter 11, and we're picking it up in verse 9. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. So Jesus said, ask, seek, find. But that's in the New American Standard Bible. I actually prefer other translations that give us the proper form of the verb. So look at the New Living Translation. Jesus says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. If you look it up in the Amplified Bible, it says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. The idea is you don't just ask once and you're going to receive. You don't just knock on the door once and the door is going to be open to you. No, what Jesus is teaching us is that if you ask and keep on asking, you'll get the answer. If you seek and keep on seeking, you'll get the answer. There has to be a level of persistence to it. And so you can see in your notes, it says this, those who persist in prayer and who will not give up are the ones who who will see the most answers. Those who persist and will not give up are the ones who are going to see the most answers. Right? When you look at people, and maybe you look at somebody in your life, and you're like, man, every time that person prays, man, they seem to get the answer. They're always talking about breakthroughs. They're always talking about how God moves on their behalf. Why does God love them more than me? Right? They just must have some sort of ridiculous faith that I don't have. Well, no, the reality is, They've probably just persisted and persisted and persisted and they knocked and kept on knocking. And so they get more answers. I love this. That word that we just read in Luke chapter 18 where it says, 
Uh, actually, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 11. And we read it in, I lost my place now. Um, in verse 8 of Luke chapter 11, he says, The friend wouldn't get up just because he asked, but the friend would get up because he was persistent. That word persistent is actually a Greek word, and I don't know how to pronounce Greek, so I'm just going to make it up. But the Greek word is anidion. Anidion. And that word means persistent, but the really the root of the word means shameless. It means shameless, and that's the blank in your notes there. It means to be shameless. It means that you come to God, and you're going to ask God for anything, and you're going to ask him over and over again, and you're going to be bold about it, right? Because what did Hebrews teach us? It taught us to come boldly before the throne of grace, and we're going to be shameless. I don't care that I've already asked for it 50 times. I'm going to ask for it a 51st time, and then a 52nd time, because I don't care, because I want this so badly, I'm going to keep asking for it. We've got to be a people that are shameless in our persistence. And then I love this. Uncle Barry gave this to me. The definition of persistence is the firmly and stubbornly continuing in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. It's not growing weary or fatigued. Firmly and stubbornly continuing in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Come on, there's got to be a stubbornness in us. There's got to be a shamelessness in us. There just has to be a persistence in us that says, I am going to keep on asking. And again, here's the thing. You're like, well, why do we have to be persistent? Right? Isn't God able to answer? Well, listen, God is more ready to answer your prayers than you are to pray them. Think about that. God's more ready to answer it than we are to pray it. And I love this quote. Derek Prince, who was a a powerful minister in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, in 1972, he wrote this. He wrote, in all the teachings of Jesus, nothing is more strongly emphasized than God's willingness to answer our prayers. That's a bold statement. Nothing is more emphasized by Jesus than God's willingness to answer our prayers. We don't have time to read all of these, but if you want to write them down really quick, listen to this. What we just read in Luke chapter 11, also Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, also Matthew chapter 21, uh, verse 22, also Mark chapter 11, verse 24, also in the gospel of John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Also in John chapter 15 and verse 17, and also in John chapter 16 and verse 24, all of those verses repeat the same thing, that God is willing to answer our every prayer. So if we have a God who is more than powerful enough to answer them, who is more than ready to answer them, who is more than willing to answer our every prayer, why do we have to keep asking what is going on? And so that's what I want to accomplish this morning, is I just want to give you four thoughts. Why do we have to keep asking? Why is God looking for persistence in our prayer life? Here we go. Number one, because the testing of our faith produces endurance. And you may recognize that. That's James chapter 1 and verse 3. Because the testing of our faith produces endurance. Now, many of you know I'm a psychology major. And so I'm going to nerd out on you right now with a little bit of behavioral psychology. Because this is what I love about studying psychology. Is that everything that a researcher discovers, God already knew. 
right? Everything that we discover, God already knew. And so I love when we read about psychological discoveries, and I love to be like, God already knew that. And so here's one of them. B.F. Skinner was one of the groundbreaking researchers in behavioral psychology. And, of course, the goal of behavioral psychology is how can you teach people a behavior and get them to keep doing that behavior? And so in 1957, B.F. Skinner released a book called Schedules of Reinforcement. Schedules of Reinforcement. What he did is he studied how can you reinforce a behavior in such a way that that behavior sticks and, 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 of course, he started with, like, pigeons and then worked his way up to, to, to doing his research with people. But how can you get a behavior to stick? So here's the idea of schedules of reinforcement is there's different ways to reinforce a behavior. One is continuous reinforcement. That means every time they do the behavior, you reinforce it immediately. Right? So for the pigeon, every time the pigeon pushes the button, the bird seed falls in the bowl. For a child, this would be like every time the kid makes his bed, he gets a quarter. Every single time. It's continuous reinforcement. Then you have what's called intermittent reinforcement, where it's not reinforced every time. And so you would have what's called a ratio schedule. And this would mean that it gets reinforced on the same ratio every time. So now every third time the pigeon pushes the button the bird seed falls in the bowl, right? That would be a ratio. Every fifth time the child does, does something, they get a quarter. That's a ratio. Another form of a ratio would be an interval, right? Uh, and so a time interval. Now, we've all been conditioned to this. Anybody who's ever had a job, you have been conditioned to this because no matter how much you work, you only get paid on an interval, that is a interval reinforcement, right? You either get paid every Friday or you get paid on the 1st and the 15th. Whatever the case may be, that is an interval reinforcement. And then the last kind of intermittent reinforcement is called variable. That means the reinforcement comes at a different time every time. So maybe the third time he pushes the button, the bird seed comes out. And then the next time, it's not until the 11th time he pushes the button. And then it's the seventh time he pushes the button. And the pigeon can never figure out when the bird seed's going to come. But he knows if he keeps pushing the button, sooner or later, the bird seed is going to come. Researchers have attached this to things like a gambling addiction. Why is a gambling addiction so entrenched in somebody's life? Because they experienced the reinforcement one time, they hit big on a gambling one time, they felt the rush of endorphins, and they like that reinforcement, and so they keep gambling. And they never know when the next big jackpot is going to hit, but they know that if they keep doing it, sooner or later they're going to hit another jackpot. The problem is, if you go too long without another jackpot, now you've blown all of your money in gambling, and you're getting into debt, and you're selling stuff off. Why? Because because the behavior is so deeply rooted in you because of variable reinforcements. And so what B.F. Skinner discovered is this, is that continuous reinforcement produces the fastest extinction of behavior. And that is not what we want. We don't want the behavior to go extinct. We want the behavior to continue. But with continuous reinforcement, the moment you stop reinforcing it, the behavior starts to go away. 
right? And so you give the kid a quarter every time he makes his bed, and then you're like, okay, he's learned that he's supposed to make his bed every day, so you stop giving him the quarter. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to stop making his bed because the quarter stopped. It has the fastest extinction of behavior. However, variable intermittent reinforcement produces the slowest extinction of behavior. That means because you don't know when the next reinforcement's going to come, you keep doing it. Because you don't know when it's going to come, so you keep doing it. Now, obviously, the gambling example is a negative example because it's causing you tremendous loss. But when it comes to prayer, there is no tremendous loss to keep on praying. And so, again, remember, God already knew this before B.F. Skinner discovered it. And God knows that if he reinforces you every single time, that if you just pray and you get what you want, and you pray and you get what you want, and he just reinforces it every single time, what God is going to do is produce a weak behavior and a weak faith in us because we just expect it every time so instead what does God do he produces perseverance in us because he causes us to keep asking for it and we don't know when the answer is going to come but because of the variable reinforcements it it embeds the behavior within us and now we're not going to be soft weak followers of Jesus that the moment we don't get something we want we're going to give up and walk away no instead we're going to be a people who endure and we're going to keep on asking because even if the answer doesn't come today we know that God wants to bring the answer he's more than powerful enough to bring the answer so if I'll just keep asking. Sooner or later, he'll answer. The testing of our faith produces endurance. Are you guys with me? Come on. Number two, because prayer brings our heart into alignment with him. And if all God did was answer our prayer every time we asked for it, we would never spend any time with him. Right? Think about if you, had, if you have children and all your kid came to you and said, hey, I need five bucks. All right, here's five bucks. And they take off. Hey, I'd like this toy. All right, here's this toy. And the kid takes off. They never spend any time with you. They just come and ask you for stuff and you just give it to them every time. That's not what God wants. God is a relational being. Everything in God's being desires relationship. Everything in God's being desires to be with us. So what does God want us to do? He wants us to keep coming to him. Why? Because the more that we pray, the more we are spending time with him. And then the more we spend time with him, you know what happens? The more we become like him. And the more we become like him, the more we trust in his perfect timing. So now we don't come to him in prayer expecting that he's going to answer my prayer today because I want everything I want when I want it. No, I'm going to keep asking for it. But as I keep asking for it, I'm going to trust that his timing is better than my timing and his ways are better than my ways. And I know he wants to answer. And the Bible has already promised me that he's going to answer. So the only thing left to wait upon is his perfect time to give me the answer. And while I'm waiting for that perfect time, what am I doing? I'm spending time with him, becoming more like him. And so whereas in the gambling example, the gambling is costing me something every time I'm waiting for the variable reinforcement, when it comes to prayer, I'm gaining something every time I'm waiting for that variable reinforcement. That's the goodness of our God. And you see, the more our hearts come into alignment with him, we don't expect the answer to be our way. 
See, maybe the first time you pray for something, you've already got a picture in your head of what the answer is supposed to look like. Right? When we were struggling in our suicide prevention ministry and we were just so desperate for God to come through because we were broke and we didn't have food and, and, and we couldn't pay the rent, but we were answering the call of God and we knew we were doing what we were supposed to be doing, my prayers sounded something like this. God, could you please drop off a big box of cash on the front doorstep? Like $10,000 would do, Lord. Just a box with $10,000 in cash on the doorstep. God, could you please do that? Because I don't think we're going to make it. Right? That's what my prayer sounded like. At the end of that journey of poverty and and the, the, the few years that we had to go through, I could look back and see that God answered our every prayer, but not a single one of them looked the way I wanted That box of cash never showed up on our doorstep. But you know what? We never went without food. And we never went without a place to live. And we're not in any debt because of that season. God answered every prayer. But every time I went to him, he changed my heart. And I went from asking for a box of cash on the doorstep to just trusting in his timing and in his provision because my heart came into alignment with him. And instead of asking for what I wanted, I just said, God, do what you want. I trust you in the process. The more you come to him, the more your heart's going to come into alignment with him, and your prayers are going to change during the process. And if you look back, you realize, dang, if God had given me what I asked for the moment I asked for it, that's not what I needed. But by the time I got the answer to my prayer, I recognized what I really needed. Number three, Why do we got to keep on asking? Because of spiritual warfare. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel fasted for 21 days. That is actually the model of the 21 days of of fasting and prayer that we follow. Comes from Daniel chapter 10 that he fasted for 21 days. And after 21 days, the angel came to him with his answer. But listen to what the angel said in verse 12 of chapter 10. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. When was the prayer heard? The first day. When was the prayer answered? The first day. Listen, right there. Go back, go back, go back to... to 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 verse 12 and uh, letter B of verse 12. Your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. His prayer was heard the very first day and his prayer was answered the very first day he prayed it. But check out what happened. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. So check this out. So this angel was dispatched the very first day Daniel started praying. But on his way to get to Daniel, where was Daniel praying? In Persia. And there was this spiritual covering over Persia, and it was not a godly spiritual covering. It was, it was evil spirits, and that's what these princes of Persia, these kings of Persia were. They were evil spirits. And so as the angel was trying to get to Daniel, to get to him with the answer, this angel would have to pierce through this covering of evil spirits over Persia. 
And this angel single-handedly could not break through, but the angel kept on fighting. Where did the angel get the strength to keep on fighting? Because Daniel kept on praying and kept on fasting. And finally, after all of this fighting, they, uh, the archangel Michael shows up and helps this angel pierce through the darkness. And the angel gets to Daniel and in verse 14 says, Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days. The answer got to Daniel after 21 days. It was heard the very first day. It was answered the very first day. But Daniel had to keep on asking because the spiritual warfare that was taking place. Listen, your answer is already on the way. Don't give up on the angel that's fighting for you. Don't give up before the answer gets there. There is spiritual warfare going on. And finally, number four, it increases our appreciation. It increases our appreciation. Have you ever experienced this maybe when you were a kid or maybe with your own children that you saw some toy, maybe it was a commercial, and of course commercials make toys look amazing and they make toys look like they're the funnest thing in the world. Right, And so you see this commercial, and you just absolutely have to have this toy. And, of course, the commercial makes you feel like everybody has this toy. And so everybody else has this toy. So I have to have this toy. And so you've got your kid coming to you. Please, please, the only thing I want for Christmas is this one toy. That's all I want. Just get me this one toy for Christmas. And so you get them that one toy for Christmas, and they open it on Christmas morning, and they're like, oh, it's the toy I always wanted. Thank you so much. And then on December 26th, and every day thereafter, they never play with that toy again because that toy was not as good as the commercial, and it was not as fun as it was cracked up to be. Right? There was, there was no buy-in for the toy. There was no sense of appreciation for the toy. God wants us to have an appreciation. He wants us to buy into this. He wants us to pay a price for it. Because when we pay a price for it, we appreciate it. And so the price he wants us to pay is our time and our passion and our tears in prayer. And so what does it do? It breaks our entitlements. And instead, it puts us to the test of how badly do we really want it. Listen to this quote from the theologian Donald Spence Jones. He wrote this in 1909. He said, it's not that God is hard to persuade. It's that he will have us mean what we say. Think about that. God doesn't have us keep asking because he needs to be persuaded. No, he has us keep asking because he wants to find out, do you really want it? Is this really what's on your heart? Is this really what's most important in your life? How badly do you want it? Do you really mean what you're saying right now? And if you really mean what you're saying right now, then yes, absolutely. As a good father, I'm going to give it to you because I desire to give it to you. Let me have Sugi come up today. I had some more, but I'm out of time, so we're going to stop right there. That last blank in your notes is completion, just for those OCD folks that would freak out if you had a blank in your notes. All right. And the idea is, is that um, Elijah prayed seven times, and seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And so Isaiah, I mean, Elijah prayed to completion. Pray to completion. You guys have heard the old acronym, push, pray until something happens. 
ask and keep on asking. The, the, the promise is that the door will be open. So if the door is still closed, what does that mean? It means we're supposed to keep praying. It doesn't mean we're supposed to give up. It doesn't mean we're supposed to stop. It doesn't mean that God's not listening. It just means we're supposed to keep praying. When are we supposed to stop praying? When the door is open. When the answer comes, when the breakthrough happens, when the miracle takes place, when the promise is fulfilled, that's when we stop. And until then, we don't stop. We keep praying. We don't lose hearts. We don't give up. Come on. Jesus said this in Luke 18 and verse 8. We skipped it earlier. We're going to go back to it. Jesus said, however, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? What did Jesus mean by faith? He meant persistent prayer. So Jesus says, when I come, am I going to find anybody praying? When I come, am I going to find people who will keep on asking? Or am I going to find people who have already given up and already given in? Will I find anything when I come? Well, I tell you this, Kauai Bible Church, here in Kauai and those on the digital campus around the world, Jesus is going to find us praying. Come on. Jesus is going to find us praying. He's going to find faith here. He's going to find a people here who have not given up, who have not stopped, who won't stop until they've come to completion and they've seen the answer that God has for us. Amen.